0: Welcome to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. Jesus was a master storyteller, and He constantly used short stories or parables to communicate spiritual truths to the crowds that gathered to hear Him. By telling parables, the secrets of the kingdom would be revealed to Jesus' disciples, but they would be hidden from His opponents. Listen to this talk from the Parable Series as we dive into some of Jesus' most memorable stories. Well, good morning. Uh, Throughout my life, I have talked with God about a lot of needs I've had, a lot of issues I've been facing, concerns, and even over wants. I mean, things I have wanted, I've brought before God. And I am convinced that over the years, God has said yes to my prayers many, many times. God has answered prayer. I don't doubt at all that God answers prayer. Now. Without a doubt, some of the things about which I prayed would have happened whether I prayed or not. Uh, For example, I've mentioned before that at Christmas time when I was growing up, I used to specifically pray that Jesus would not return before Christmas. And I'm serious, I would pray that, like, Jesus, I I want you to come back, but wait till after Christmas after I've enjoyed my. And you know something? He answered the prayer. I think we'd all, of course, we'd all agree that that wasn't because of my prayer, <laughs> and 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 yet other times I'm positive God did indeed respond to my request. He answered my prayer, and one of the first examples that I was positive that God had answered my prayer was that I prayed that God would get rid of the class bully when I was a freshman in high school, a kid that was in my gym class and also in health class, and I prayed, Lord, and and diligently and and passionately lord take him out of my class and i was standing there uh, when the teacher happened to mention to this student you are no longer welcome in this class gym class and then he said since you can't finish gym class you can't finish health class either and it had to do with some kind of health issue i just overheard a little bit of it but i never saw that guy again and i knew god had heard my prayer And God had answered it. It was just such a specific thing I had asked for, and I saw the answer to that. Over the years, I prayed that people would be healed. And on at least two occasions, I'm convinced that the healing was what I'd call miraculous, where the doctor confirmed that 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 particular change in the person's situation was impossible from any medical perspective. In in one case, the doctor even used the word miracle. Your, Your daughter, the doctor said, is a miracle. And someone that was standing there said, aren't you being careless with the word miracle? I mean, aren't you just saying it was amazing or unlikely because this person didn't believe in miracles? And the doctor looked directly at the guy and said, I told you it was a miracle. This could not happen. It has never happened. It'll probably never happen again. It was a miracle. And we've had occasions here at the church, too, in particular, where I felt like uh, we were facing what I'd call a financial crisis, and I didn't see a way out. And both occasions had to do with moving into new facilities. One was right after we moved into this facility, but we had two financial crises and I couldn't figure out a way to get out of it. It just looked like we were in trouble and then God answered our prayers. And, and I was, to this day, I'm shocked at how he answered those prayers. So I know God answers prayer. However, I've been disappointed with God before because he didn't answer the prayer the way I was asking. Where whatever I was praying for, you know, I, sometime, I've, sometimes I've prayed for months and even years for certain things to happen. I see no progress at all. And, and my prayers seem, at least from my perspective, to be uh, legitimate, heartfelt, selfless prayers. I'm asking God for something that seems very, very reasonable. And, and yet I don't see any movement. And it's like, where are you, God? I'm, I'm praying about this thing, and it's not happening. For example, I prayed that my mom would not uh, die of cancer, but she did. She passed away of cancer. And I wasn't the only one praying for her. She had three close relatives who were ministers. So there were four pastors directly related to her who were praying that she would be healed. And one of them even said to her, you will be healed, but it did not happen and she passed away. Now the question is, what do we do when that happens? How do we respond when, when we pray certain things but we don't see the answer? And I know we're tempted to say, you know why? Perhaps you've prayed about struggles related to your work and. And you're facing various difficulties related to your employment, but you don't see any progress there. Maybe you have health concerns and you've been praying about it, but you're not seeing any progress there. You're not being healed, maybe. It might be relationship issues that you're facing or financial problems. It could be that you're struggling even spiritually, like, God, reveal yourself to me but you don't sense that God is revealing himself to you. And it goes on and on, problems related to your marriage, problems related to your kids. Uh, the, the things could be absolutely endless. And the question is, what do we do when we don't see movement, when we don't see that God is answering our requests, when it, when it seems like it's not working? I mean, that's what happens many times. We, do, we conclude, well, prayer doesn't work. Sometimes I think we conclude that uh, God doesn't care, perhaps. Uh, We might conclude that God's not able, you know? There have been times in my life when I've been angry with God. It's like, again, when I look at the request and it seems so reasonable and so sincere and so selfless, and I'm bringing it before a God who is full of love and compassion and is all-powerful, but then I don't see the answer to the prayer. It's, it's kind of easy to get a little bit bitter. Now, I take some encouragement in the fact that godly people throughout the ages have struggled with the same question. Just read the Psalms. Read other places in the Bible where you realize that godly people just... It's like, why God? And, and, and they don't understand why nothing is happening. And why aren't you listening to my prayers? And so I realize I'm in pretty good company. But it's still not easy. Today, we're going to finish our series on the parables of Jesus. Today's parable is found in Luke chapter 18. We're going to begin in verse 1, but this is a parable about persevering in prayer, and specifically when it's hard to continue persevering in prayer. And so I'd like to begin by reading verse 1 of Luke 18. We read, he, referring to Jesus, then told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not become discouraged. Now, I want to mention that the word always here does not mean continuously, There are other verses in the Bible that say we should be praying continuously, like in 1 Thessalonians, it says pray continuously, and the word that's used there is actually a word that was used to describe a hacking cough, like you're just always ready to cough, and so we are to be people who are to be praying all the time, but that's not what the always means in this verse. In this verse, it means continue. Don't give up in prayer. You should always be praying and not get discouraged now I again relate to this because I prayed before and I I got discouraged doesn't seem like the prayer is working and I want to give up that's of course the outcome when you say well it's not working and and we want to give up praying and Jesus is saying don't do it so let's read verse 1 again and then read the parable Jesus said, I'm sorry, he then told them a parable on the need for them to pray always and not become discouraged. There was a judge in a certain town who didn't fear God or respect man. And a widow in that town kept coming to him saying, give me justice against my adversary. For a while he was unwilling, but later he said to himself, Even though I don't fear God or respect man, yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Then the Lord said, listen to what the unjust judge says. Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you, he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, that's a reference to Jesus, when he comes back, will he find that faith on earth? Okay, let's talk about this for a little bit. There are two obvious characters in the story. There's the judge. He's called an unjust judge who doesn't fear God or other people. And the second character is this widow. But there's actually in the story a third character. It's an invisible character. It's the person who's oppressing the widow. Now, now we don't know what the circumstances are of this third person, but this widow is being taken advantage of, and, and it's an injustice, and so she's looking for justice. Now, let's talk about them A little bit more carefully. The judge in this story, uh, it says again, he had no reverence for God, and he didn't respect people. Uh, He wasn't a nice guy. And in the context that this is told in biblical times, to call him an unjust judge would mean he accepted bribes. That's that's would have been the main idea behind when it says he doesn't fear God. He was someone that accepted bribes. He was someone who showed partiality in his decisions. And we know this because from the Old Testament, we're told what the requirements of a judge were supposed to be, and it was supposed to be somebody who feared God when they made their decisions. A judge should be making decisions with the mindset that God, the ultimate judge, is watching me in the decisions I make. And so I'm going to make decisions that are just and right and good. But this guy didn't fear God. There was no reverence for God. And in the Old Testament, when it talks about choosing a judge who fears God, the very next sentence says, it cannot be someone who takes bribes. But apparently this is what this guy was doing. In addition, it says he didn't fear people. He he just didn't care. He didn't respect people either. And so, basically, this was a guy that could care less about this woman's problem. He was in a position of power. He could do whatever he wanted, and he didn't fear anybody. Let's talk about the widow for a moment. In biblical times, a widow would have had almost zero legal standing in that society. I realize in our culture sometimes it's hard for women for various reasons, but in that culture it was much, much worse. This widow was in a very vulnerable position where people could easily take advantage of her and she really didn't have much recourse. Somebody more powerful would easily get in there and, and take advantage of her, and she really didn't have much she could do. She deserved justice, but in that culture, she wasn't probably gonna get it. And so you got a combination here of a judge who's corrupt and a woman who lacks any kind of standing, and the the idea that she's gonna, first of all, even get a, a trial, is, is it's almost impossible, but that she would get justice, it's just nil. The likelihood is nil that that was gonna happen. The judge would have said, well, you're just a widow here. But she had one thing going for her. And the one thing she had going for her was her persistence. She just refused to give up. It was the only strategy she had. In a symbolic sense, what she did was she pitched a tent outside of his house or outside of the courtroom or maybe both. Both. And she sat there and she wasn't gonna go anywhere until the judge said, I expect justice. Now, did the strategy work? Well, actually it did. In verses four and five, it says, for a while he, the judge, was unwilling. He was unwilling to to give her justice. But later he said to himself, even though I don't fear God or respect man, Yet because this widow keeps pestering me, I will give her justice so she doesn't wear me out by her persistent coming. Now my study Bible has a little note by the phrase because this woman keeps pestering me, it can be translated because she's causing me trouble. And the phrase so she doesn't wear me out can be translated more literally. It means so she doesn't give me a black eye so that she won't ruin my reputation. And so this woman was troublesome in a couple different ways. She was wearing him out, and she was also making him look bad because she just wouldn't let the matter go. Now, we see examples of this in our culture today, especially with politicians, and I won't mention any specific names, but it has to do with politicians who do certain things that are found out by certain people, and those people persist and they, and they bring it to the attention of other people, and they won't let the thing go, and the, the politician is thinking, just leave me alone, but they're, they've, they're not left alone, and people, we're going to get justice, we're going to get justice, and they keep sitting on the thing until finally, you know, politicians kind of in a bad spot, like, I don't know what to do, I just want this thing to go away. And that's exactly what was happening with this judge. I just want this woman to go away, this situation to go away. She is a thorn in my side. And so he reluctantly granted her request. He did not do it because he cared. He did not do it because of love. He did not do it because he was someone who was concerned about justice. He only did it because he was so irritated. He only did it because she persisted. And so he reluctantly granted her request. Now, after Jesus tells the story, he gives the application. And verse 6 Then the Lord said, Listen to what the unjust judge says. So listen to what he said about this. Verse 7 Will not God grant justice to his elect who cry out to him day and night? Will he delay to help them? I tell you that he will swiftly grant them justice. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, that's again a reference to Jesus, when he returns, will he find that faith on earth? That can be translated that kind of faith, or will he find any faith at all? When Jesus comes back, will he, will he find that people have any faith at all? Now, there are some things we need to understand about this story at this point. Uh, First of all, it's important to realize that just before Jesus told this parable, he was talking with his disciples about the fact that he was going to be returning. And we know that Jesus, you know, when he ascended into heaven, uh, the angels said to the disciples who were gathered, the same Jesus who has ascended into heaven is going to come back exactly in the same way. And we know Jesus is coming back to this earth to rule. And so Jesus had just talked with his disciples about that. You know, this, this parable is found in Luke 18, but uh, th- that chapter is something that's been inserted. Remove the chapter because this thing is continuing a discussion about the return of Christ. And one of the things that Jesus specifically talked about was how hard it was going to be for people, for believers in the true God, during that tribulation time, during that period, it's going to be really, really tough and, and believers are going to be persecuted, whoever's here, but they're going to be persecuted for their faith. And so it's from within this context, you know, Jesus said, will not God the Father give them justice and quickly? And what you have happening is that during that difficult season of time, believers are going to be praying, Lord, where's justice? And when are you coming back and hurry? And, and, and the answer is, I'm, com- I'm coming quickly. Hold on. I'm not going to delay much longer. Justice is coming very soon. Do not give up. And that's why when you get to the end of this parable, Jesus threw in this statement. He said, when the Son of Man comes, will he find faith on the earth? Because he's describing this season of time where people are going to be praying because it's going to be so difficult and they're going to be asking for specifically for justice, just like the woman in the story, and, and it looks like it's not coming, and it's going to look like the, the wicked of this world are prevailing, and, and all this is stretching on, and you know, you've been praying, and you don't see anything happening, and Jesus is saying, just persevere a little longer. Jesus Christ, is, uh, yeah, I'm coming back, and um, things are going to be made right when I do. Now, that's the immediate context of this. But the application for us is a lot broader than this, because Jesus is also talking about prayer in general and persevering whenever we're going through difficult times, especially when we don't see the answers to our prayers. And there are some other details, therefore, in this story that we need to park on for a little bit. Because if you, if you have a, just a, do a casual reading of this story, you'll arrive at some wrong conclusions. There are some things about this story that that people misunderstand about it. And so let's talk about some of these details. First of all, it appears from this parable that, if you wanted to translate it, uh, that the judge in the story is God... And the widow in the story is a believer. And so God is like this judge, and we are like the widow. And the only way to get God, the the judge, to do anything is to pester him. I mean, if you read the story from that lens, that's what it would look like. God is like this judge, and we are the widow. And we keep saying, God, please, 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 please. And there's no answer. And then finally, finally, the judge says, okay, because you're pestering me so much. Well, that's not what this is about. In fact, it's important to understand that this is not a parable of comparison. This is a parable of contrast. And that's the thing that makes all the difference in the world. It's a contrast. The whole point is that God's not like that guy, and we are not like that widow, and this form of appeal is not what God is looking for. So let me, let me spell this out a little bit more. So we're not like the widow in this, in this story. The widow had no bearing in, in that society or no, no weight. You know, she had, she had no rights, basically, in her society, and she had no relationship with the judge at all. Well, in contrast to, to her, we do we are in the eyes of god people of standing we are if we know christ we are god's children we're not like the judge or the widow in this story in fact in verse 7 jesus called us god's elect remember the question you know will not god grant justice to his elect to call us uh, the elect is to call us god's chosen people God looks down on believers and says, this one's mine, and this one's mine, and this one is mine. I have a relationship with this one. And and so it's so different than this widow. In addition to that, of course, we're, we're children of God. He is our Heavenly Father. That's the relationship we have with Him. Earlier in the Gospel of Luke, in chapter 11, Jesus gave His disciples what's been called the Lord's Prayer. It's Luke 11, 1 through 4. You know, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. And and Jesus told his disciples, when you pray, pray that way. You know, Jesus specifically said, when we pray, we should pray, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. I know that sometimes people pray to Jesus or the Holy Spirit, but the primary way, they're all God, of course, but the primary way in which we're to pray is our Father who art in heaven. Now, I realize some people don't like that. Because they say when I think of praying to a father, I think of my own father, and my father failed me, or my father, even worse, mistreated me in some way, and so I don't like the image of God being like a father. You know, every time I think of it, it just stirs something in my stomach. I want to encourage you not, not to take away the image here. It's, it's important to recognize if you, if you didn't have a good father that this is the father you never had then. Because he does love you. He does care for you. And and why it matters is because we're approaching a a father who desperately loves his kids. You know, in in the New Testament, earthly fathers are called evil, and we are evil sometimes. But God never is. And so he cares. And and so you're a child of God, and and we, we need to be mindful of that as we're approaching the throne of grace, because if not, we're not going to have the right mindset in terms of how God's viewing our prayers or how God is viewing us, that he's predisposed to say, yes, that God loves to give good things to his children. And so we're not like the widow who had no standing and no relationship. We are children of God. Then God is not like this judge. God does care, the, the judge didn't care, you know? And God is just, the judge wasn't, and so he's going he's gonna to give us justice. And our God lo- does love us deeply, and he does want to help us in very various ways. And so God has promised, even in this parable, won't, won't he grant, or Jesus promised, won't God grant you justice? I'm convinced God hears our prayers. God answers our prayers. He loves to give us good things. And so God's not like this judge, and that's the point Jesus is making. If a, a wicked judge would finally give this woman what she wanted, how much more would a, a God who is righteous, who's, who's just, who loves, how much more? And then the third contrast related to the story is, is that God doesn't need to be begged. He doesn't need to be pestered. You, you, you know, you read the story and you get the idea. If you bother God enough, if, if you can manage to aggravate him enough, if you pitch out your tent outside of heaven's court and you, he, you know, he's going to reluctantly give you what you want. You know, he say, fine, fine, you got me. He's, God is not like that. Prayer is not about breaking down God's resistance to what you're asking for. It is, it is not like that. The point that Jesus is making is that if, if this woman persevered in prayer and an unjust, wicked judge will give her what she wants, how much more if we persist in prayer, if we persevere, how much more likely is it that our prayers will be answered? So don't give up. Now, earlier I referred to the Lord's Prayer in Luke chapter 11, and I, you know, I told you Jesus gave this prayer to his disciples, and they specifically said, teach us to pray. He said, pray our Father who art in heaven and all of that. Well, immediately after Jesus gave that prayer, that sample prayer, uh, he told a parable. And I want to briefly look at the parable, but we won't spend much time there, but notice the similarities between this parable and the one we're talking about this morning. Parables found in Luke 11:5 through eight. So one through four is the Lord's prayer, and then Jesus adds this. We read, "He, Jesus, also said to them, "Suppose one of you has a friend." And goes to him at midnight and says to him, friend, lend me three loaves of bread because a friend of mine on a journey has come to me and I don't have anything to offer him. Then he will answer from inside and say, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I have gone to bed. I can't get up to give you anything. I tell you, even though he won't get up and give him anything because he is his friend, yet because of his friend's persistence, he will get up and will give him as much as he needs. This parable, exactly like the other one, is a parable of contrast, not comparison. Now, when I read the story from the lens of our culture today, this, this parable, I identify with the poor guy that's trying to get some sleep. I mean, when I read that parable, I think, what kind of person is going to wake someone up at midnight? Come in the morning, you know, I'm trying to get some sleep. And, of course, their homes back then were smaller, and many times the family all lived in one room, and it was like a big deal. And and so I'm kind of mad at the guy that doesn't know anything about boundaries. He's going to wake up some guy at midnight. What's wrong with you? And so we have to be careful when we read parables not to read them through the lens of our own culture because in Jesus' culture, quite the opposite would have been how they viewed this. The person in the wrong, from their perspective, was the guy that was sleeping. In their perspective, the way he answered his friend was shameful, absolutely shameful. This was a culture of great hospitality and, and this guy was being very inhospitable. They were required as a society, someone knocks on your door to let them in. They were required to provide food, and the hour did not matter at all. And so I can just tell you, when Jesus and his disciples heard this parable, what they were thinking is, I can't believe that guy who was sleeping who would say no to his friend. I can't believe he would act so shamefully when he was supposed to practice hospitality. It doesn't matter the hour. He's supposed to be hospitable. A scholar scholar by the name of Leifeld puts it this way the visitor would have been the guest not only of the individual and his family but of the whole community. This placed a great responsibility both on the traveler's host and on the friend he approached at midnight. Everybody was required to step in and help out if they were asked to do so. And that's how they would have viewed it. Now, what's the point Jesus is making? Well, here's the point. He's saying, if this shameful host finally responded to a friend's persistent request, how much more will an honorable heavenly father who loves to give good things to his children respond to our prayers? Let me say that again. If this shameful host, that's how they would have viewed it, if the shameful host finally responded out of... Because of his friend's persistence and perseverance, how much more will our heavenly Father, who's honorable, grant good things to us because that's the way he is. That's what he wants to do. God is not like the friend who says, I'm not going to open the door for you. That's the point Jesus is making here. God is not a reluctant giver. And so Jesus then gave this application after he shared that parable. In Luke 11 and verse 9, He said, so I say to you, keep asking, and it will be given to you. Keep searching, and you will find. Keep knocking, and the door will be opened for you. For everyone who asks, receives. The one who searches, finds. And to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. All those words, by the way, are in the present tense, meaning for everyone who continually asks, continues to do so, receives. The one who searches will eventually find. The one who knocks, the door will be opened. In other words, persistence pays. Don't give up. Now, God is not promising any of us that he's going to give us the specific thing we want every time. God is still sovereign. God has the right to say no to any requests we make. And sometimes God says no. Sometimes God even says wait, whatever it is, but we have a God that loves to answer our prayers, and he says, don't give up, keep praying. And so whether or not it's your job, or whether it's your family, whether it's your health, whether it's your finances, whatever your circumstances is I, is, I want to encourage you to stick with it. Don't grow tired of praying continue to do so. And I know God responds to prayers like this. I, was, I met with some friends this past week I haven't seen in 30 years, and, and one of the two was telling me, and my wife and I were with this couple, and, and the wife was saying, you know, I was praying for my dad to find Christ, and he was on his deathbed, and we'd been praying for decades, and nothing happened, but something changed. A nurse came in, the right nurse and led him to faith in Christ. And when this woman came in to see her father, he was a changed man. She saw it with her own eyes, and then shortly after that passed away. The prayer, persistent prayer, eventually paid off. It worked. We're going to close with a song here. I love this song. It's called Joy in the Morning. Some of the lines of this song are, our plans may fall apart. It may not make sense right now, but you have to keep believing because there'll be joy in the morning. If it's not good, then he's not done. No, he's not done with it yet. There will be joy in the morning. Let's pray. Father, we want to thank you that you are our God, our Heavenly Father, that you care so deeply for us, O Lord. And we acknowledge that it's hard sometimes to persevere in prayer, but give us the grace to do so. Help us to see, O Lord, that you as a Heavenly Father love to give good things to your children. And we recognize nothing is too difficult for you. You are able. So challenge us with these things today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Ridge Weekly Podcast. If you'd like to hear more messages now, you can check out our past series at theridgechurch/messages, or download the free Ridge app. Thanks again for listening, and we will see you next time.